0: Podcast. This episode will be the first part in a multi episode series with Dr. Helen Morrison. Dr. Morrison is a forensic psychiatrist specializing in the psychology of serial killers. Dr. Morrison has interviewed such killers as Richard Masick, John Wayne Gacy, and over a hundred others. She has even gone on to publish a book called My Life Among Serial Killers. We hope you enjoy. Hello. How are you,
1: Helen? I'm fine. How are you? I'm good. Oh, good. I, we finally got together.
0: I know. We've only been trying for, you
1: know, <laughs> forever. I, I knew we would eventually. <laughs> well, my name is Dr. Helen Morrison. I am a forensic psychiatrist and a child psychiatrist. And my research has been into serial murders. And uh, to date, I've had over 125 of them. From around the world that I've examined and taken some interesting stories.
0: Yeah, I've I've read all the the books you've done. You definitely have some <laughs> some interesting stories to say the least. <laughs> uh, for all our listeners, yeah. she wrote My Life Among Serial Killers. It's inside the minds of the world's most notorious murders. I mean, there's anything from Ed Gein to John Wayne Gacy to Bobby Joe Long. There's Definitely, I'll put a link uh, in the show notes. Pick it up, supporter. It's it was a fantastic book. Oh, well, thank you. Oh so, no, I hope there's more eventually. I love them.
1: <laughs> so obviously, uh, you said you deal with serial killers.
0: How would you define a serial killer? Because I, I mean, no matter where you Google, there's kind of a different answer.
1: Usually, there is. But for us in our research project, it was someone who had committed seven murders across a number of years for people they did not know um, and they um, the murders vary in the way the murders are done Uh, they can range from strangulation to stabbing but that's pretty rare Um, and they very frequently uh, have such a plan when they get these people that they Generally follow the plan exactly the same, but they may change the plan with each murder. For example, um, one of the murders uh, kept a, a victim chained to basement floor, and while he did experiments on the person, and by experiments I mean he would. I can't. I can, I can't we can't say this on. Uh, No, we can't. Um, He was someone who experimented by going to the pharmacy and getting different types of antibiotics and things. And he would inject the, the person with these things and get their reaction. And he kept... What? Go ahead. Oh he kept meticulous notes of how the person would react, whether his temperature would go up, whether his respirations would change, whether he would move or not move. Um, And he kept those, he kept that person in this place for 30 days until one day the person escaped.
0: Do you know, uh, I mean, did that person end up surviving after that, or were they? He, mean,
1: survived. Wow, that he survived. Wow, survived impressive. Was, which was impressive, but uh, yeah.
0: So obviously Some... uh, experimenting on people, that goes back, I mean, decades. There was, during the Holocaust, I mean, the Nazi doctors were known for that. Uh, I know Japan right. was, uh, I can't remember what the, I think it's Unit 431 in Japan, if I remember right. Yes. They did it. Yes. Would you consider those, you know, those doctors serial killers, or were they just kind of doing no. what they're told?
1: No. They're They're doing what they're told, and they're doing it for science, in capital letters, to see how people reacted, um, to see what they could do with a person, and still keep them alive.
0: All right. Um. You said. That there's seven non-related victims usually when there's a serial killer. How would yes. you take someone like uh, Richard? Is it Masick?
1: Yes. How, um, would you label well, him as
0: one? that's kind of. I know he's kind of a kind of a weird one.
1: <laughs> they all are.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. You know? I, I shouldn't say you know all oh, this one's weird. Well, uh, I mean they're serial killers and whatnot, so. <laughs>
1: No, Richard Masek was very interesting because he was the first person that I saw who was a serial killer. We didn't call them then that at that point because we didn't really we called them non-specific mass murderers, which is really an odd way of describing them. But that was the only way that we had to, to describe them at that time. And he um, basically murdered several people. And he was so he was such an unusual person that when we hypnotized him, and we never hypnotized another serial killer after that experience, um, he developed uh, burns on his hands when we were exploring one of the murders he committed. What that he had set fire to a townhouse. And uh, we thought that that burn was something that he had done to himself by accident during the murders, but it came up in the hypnotic set, sessions.
0: Wow. Now, how long did those burns last? Did they go away quickly or did they did
1: Yes, they, stay? they went away quickly. They went away quickly.
0: That's definitely. In, uh, the, that's, in the
1: hypnotic trench.
0: Yeah. That's incredible, actually. That's actually really fascinating because, I mean. How many people are going to get to see something like that? That's
1: that's a huge thing. It's true. That's certainly... With all the serial murders, there's always something that happens that's very odd, and it's almost indescribable. Because we don't see it very often.
0: No, like I said, something like that, That's you're never going to... When I say you're never going to see that, but it's extremely rare that you're ever going to see something like that.
1: Yes. That's, oh, yes.
0: It's almost yep. out of this world. So I know you said he was one of your first. Uh, did you use him as kind of like a a base starting point for future cases, or was are they all different? so I mean, obviously, they're different in some way, but is there a kind of a baseline? Well,
1: well, the baseline that we try to do is that uh, when we're introduced to the murderers, uh, they know that they are subjects for research, and we get them to sign off on any confidentiality things because it's not a medical procedure, it's not a medical examination. Then we go in and basically it's it follows the same pattern. We just sit down. We I sit down and talk to them and try to get them to relax a little bit. Most of them don't care uh, that they're being looked at, Um, and most of them have their own agendas for what they want to do. And so we follow their lead in that agenda that they have. But what we're trying to do is to get a picture of this person both as a child, an adolescent, and an adult, if they can get that far. And then we will just talk with them. We just let them talk and talk and talk. And they talk and talk and talk.
0: I bet that's, I mean, obviously, I know you've spent, God, thousands of hours with these people. I mean, that's, that's kind of, you know, you're calling cards, your job. That's what you've done. I mean...
1: You... That's you know it's you can't really keep them to a certain type of schedule because they have their own way of controlling things in their own way of letting you know that they are a special person and that they all basically don't make sense at all when you're talking to them. You 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 follow them. You follow what they're saying. But if you go back and look at transcripts, if you've if you've recorded some of them, mm-hmm. they generally don't make a lot of sense.
0: No, I can I can vouch for that. I've done interviews with a handful of them now, and it's you're right. though. you know at first I'll start out. It's like okay, you know, this is making sense, and then all of a sudden we're way off in left field. It's like okay, how did we get from yeah. here to there? And I mean, <laughs> and you don't realize yeah. it until you're in left field. And you're like okay, well, you know.
1: Mm -hmm. and and sometimes you don't do it until you get out of them that you have to be away from them to get reconstituted again because you get involved with them Mm -hmm. and you tend to follow what they're saying and you think oh well this must make sense and then you find out it doesn't
0: yeah some of them it's i have a couple i don't want to mention names yet because they haven't given me the official okay that i've interviewed but some of them, you know, they'll write me a let. you know, obviously snail mail for most of them because they don't have internet yep. a lot of the time. But and one of them actually <laughs> sent me all the court records along with it, which is really oh, weird to see. Be- yeah, it was really weird to see. And I was like, okay, these actually match up, you know. Are they telling the truth? Are they lying? It's It was mm-hmm. weird to have actually have someone send all the court documents I know. This is like this giant folder I got. I'm like, what is this? And, and he had <laughs> notes on each one, you know hey, this is where this one is, and, you know, on this page it's that. It's like, okay, this guy's went way, (laughs) way further than I expected.
1: Yeah, they do.
0: They They, do. And some of them, like I said, some of them have wild stories, whether or not, you know, they're true. It's, you kind of got to take it with a grain of salt, because.
1: Well, they get, go back and forth from reality, non-reality. You don't know where they are. Yes. That's a very hard thing to try to explain what they mean, but it's it's something that, that occurs so often that you'll be in the present and then you'll be in the past and then you'll be in non-reality. And it, it, trying to keep track of them is very, very hard.
0: Yes. I know some of them. I mean, even in the letters, you can tell where their mood changes in it. It'll be, oh, you know, yes. it'll be great and then... They're pissed off at me and then they're great again. It's like, okay, whoa, how hey, why are you mad at me? I'm not even there, but it's it's but a
1: roller they do coaster. That. They 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 have this roller coaster of emotion that they follow. And it's really not true emotion, but it's it's something like a switch happens to them and then they are fine again. Exactly. Uh, and and it's it's so hard to try to explain to someone who's never been with one of them.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah, it's strange. I mean, interesting, but very strange.
1: Just putting it mildly.
0: Yeah. I know that some of them, I mean, they'll look me in the eyes and tell me what they did with not blinking an eye. And I'm just like, oh, okay. I mean, you know,
1: rape and murder and everything else.
0: And they're just talking about it like it's the weather. And it's like, oh, okay. Yes.
1: This is- oh, yeah. that's, that's the hallmark the of a serial killer. Yeah. They are so concrete and so non-emotional, non-human and in the sense of how they interact.
0: Yeah, they just they simply, it seems like they just don't care. It's like, yep, okay. That's... Yep, that's right. And now, uh, when you obviously, like I said you've been with 125 or so serial killers, what traits do you commonly see in them? Obviously, you know, the lack of empathy and, you know, Non-emotion was a big thing. What else have
1: you seen in them? Well, they are very charming, and they can be. Let me close this door. Okay, sorry about that. Oh, no problem. Um, They basically come across as as very kind and very straight people. They, They just look normal. They act normally. Um, they don't do anything that's threatening to you or anybody else while they're while you're with them. Of course, most of them are in jail, so they don't necessarily have a lot of freedom, but they don't th- they don't threaten you. I don't know if you've found that to be true.
0: Yeah, I've never. I mean, the ones that I've interviewed or talked with, they've always been very very calm, and I mean, most of them are very accommodating. But like you said, they can be very. Very convincing. I know.
1: Yeah.
0: I know, like the big one lately. Obviously, they put out the new Ted Bundy thing on I think it's Netflix or Hulu. Oh, or,
1: yeah.
0: And everyone's freaking out, you know? Oh, well, they're portraying him that he was this, you know, good-looking guy, and he was convincing, he was great. It's like well, that's that's a reality. That's how he was.
1: That's pe- right. People and... are
0: mad they're doing. Oh well, you know, they're glorifying <clears throat> him. It's like no, they're showing how this
1: how, how he it really happened. is. Yeah. Yes
0: and people yes. don't understand that they think they're just, you know, glorifying a serial killer.
1: Yep. Yep. And that we ever... that's Go ahead. What? No, go ahead. Uh,
0: did you ever uh deal with Bundy at all?
1: No, not at all. I've read enough about him and I've seen enough of him in various pro- professional kinds of places, but I've never sat down with him.
0: No. Um I know in your book you say the inability to separate from other psychology is kind of the one of the big things when it comes to serial killers or whatnot. Is this still something you believe in or is this something that, you know, has changed over time or what are your views I on I still it? believe
1: in that. I still believe in that.
0: Have you ever, um, what do I want to say? Have you ever seen anyone that could do that and was still a serial killer? No. 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 All right. Obviously, that one was a mother. Let's flip it. Can they separate from other people, or is it the no, just a mother in that case? No, they.
1: They've never been able in the first six or seven months of life. You see an infant who, before, by, by four months or so, you can you can pass this kid around to anybody, <laughs> and he won't react. He'd be fine with him. And there's a certain point where that infant starts to get very upset when he is away from a primary caretaker. Um, And you see that very often. It's such, such a change in this infant who was so nice before and so easy before to become almost frantic when he's separated from the mother. So serial killer doesn't go through that phase. Of separation. The serial killer is never a separate person. He's kind of bits and pieces of of whatever a person could be but he's never a separate person psychologically.
0: Alright. Obviously that kind of plays a huge part in their life. I mean not being able to separate. Do you think this would say we could get them to separate? Do you think we could rehabilitate all these people or any of them or is it just No, no,
1: no. no, no. It happens. It's so early in development, and six to nine months is the first year of life. Mm -hmm. How could we possibly go back to that period? We can't do it.
0: True. So, I mean, let's take serial killers out. Let's say, you know, somebody who murders one or two people. Mm -hmm. Do you think we can rehabilitate that? Or, you know, can they separate themselves from the caretaker is it? Where, where's the well, they, point at?
1: They are, no, that's that's completely different. They are complete human beings. They have separated. They've gone through all the four phases of separation, individuation. They've been able to do that, at, and that's okay. But that is a completely separate being than the serial killer. Where,
0: where would we draw the line at between, you know, how soon would you know if this person... Is separate or not? I mean, is there kind of an average age or
1: where does that come into play? Well, there are, there are about four phases of separation individuation. And when the infant goes through them, you know that the infant's separate. But the serial murderer never goes through that. Never, never, never. Because does he become a separate psychological being?
0: All right. Um Obviously, I want to get into Gacy here shortly. That's kind of a, uh, obviously, one of your most prolific ones. Because, um, <laughs> I mean, that's that's a big thing. Uh, yeah. So, recently, I, I'm not going to mention I named it. There's a, what they ca- have coined, a serial killer released here in uh, the Chicagoland area. I mean, yeah. He, I'm sure you know who I'm talking about. Yep. Do you think he's been, you know, that person's been rehabilitated, or is it kind of, you know, with what he did, could he be rehabilitated, or is it just kind of... No. No?
1: No, you can't. You can't rehabilitate these people, because in order to rehabilitate someone, you have to have a relationship with that person, good or bad, that you have to have a relationship, you have to have some hook that you can get from on him to be able to cooperate with whatever you're trying to do for him. Uh-huh. Rehabilitation doesn't happen with a serial killer. It, in fact, most of the serial killers who have, have been in jail and then they've been let out of jail for some charge, whether it's, uh, who knows, but <clears throat> they will kill again.
0: That's something I live in the general area where he was released to and everyone is very, very nervous about it because he's, he's a little bit simpler of a person and from what I read in all the reports, he has really, really bad anger issues. So I'm, yeah. I'm very hesitant. I know obviously the town and stuff, they don't want anything to do with him, but at the same time, it's, you know, he did his time, we can't really do anything about it. So it's... It's a very, a very weird case. And there's still a bunch of DNA testing with that case that hasn't been done yet. Yeah. there's, there's a couple guys from that case that are still in prison. And I've been talking with a few of them and they're trying to get this DNA testing done because they claim they're innocent, which
1: yeah. most,
0: most seem to claim innocence. That's, so you know, they don't ever want to admit it, but I mean, they're a, one of them. I'm not going to mention which one, but he's. He's adamant. He didn't do it. He wants DNA testing. To, I mean, he's given DNA voluntarily. It's.
1: Uh-huh.
0: I'm curious to see if, you know, if the DNA proves that, oh, hey, this other guy is actually the one we let out. He did it. Yeah. How it'll flip it around. It's. Yeah. You know, if it even gets well, to there that are, point, I mean, they've been sitting on this case for
1: There. There are a years. lot of wrongful convictions, exactly. as you know. Yeah. I mean, look what, what the, Illinois alone has done in the past 10 years, how they've had to reverse and pay tremendous amounts of money for people that wrongfully convicted. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's like this one. I mean, they've had this DNA. It's just been sitting there. There's such a backlog of it that nobody's going through. And,
1: yeah. you know,
0: there could be thousands of people we have locked up that really did nothing.
1: That's right. And, and it's, you it's know, a shame.
0: You're never going to get that time back.
1: That's right, and the other thing is that when you see someone who's been wrongfully convicted who come out, they're stunned they they have no i mean most of them have never seen the internet
0: mm-hmm. yeah that's I mean internet cell phones I mean there's so many it's impo- it, it's almost impossible to get reacquainted with the world at that point I mean Yes. Some of these people yes. been locked up since, you know, the 70s and 80s. 70s 80s yep. to 2019. I mean, it's yeah. it's like a time machine.
1: I know. That's <laughs> yeah.
0: that's one of the guys it, I've, it I've been talking to that he has a possibility of getting out and he's absolutely terrified to get out because he yeah. I mean, he doesn't know, he doesn't have any family, he doesn't know where to go, He doesn't know how all this stuff works, so it's something that, you know, actually weighs on him, which was kind of it was a weird thing to Hear coming from him because he always. I mean, yep. anytime you see interviews with people, that that stuff never comes up. It's always you know, oh, what you do and you know they want to hear about yeah. the details because that's what they do.
1: Yep, yep.
0: So obviously, um, I know I asked you uh, one of the emails here, how you define Charles Manson. Obviously, he wasn't a serial killer because no, he wasn't. They couldn't connect him at all. Do you think that kind of person would be rehabilitated or was he? too convincing to ever be let out
1: he was too much of a sociopath to be let out yeah, that's, he was a true psychopath that's and, did you ever get the chance and, to meet him no
0: no i know i've been uh emailing back or not emailing send a letter to text watson from the manson family and i tracked down yep. uh Squeaky and a couple others, so I'm trying to get them uh-huh. to, to kind of give out more. Squeaky doesn't do much. Tex is extremely religious now, which is...
1: Yeah, which it happens a lot.
0: Does it? Yeah, he's... Yeah. It's, it's weird watching interviews and talking with him, because he's very different from what he was. Mm-hmm. Um, with them, uh, obviously, I know you took care of uh, Ed Gein, Ed Gein, I can't remember how you say his last name. Uh, tell us a little bit about him. You know, I know you weren't... Ed,
1: about Ed Gein? Yeah. Oh, well, Ed Gein was from rural Wisconsin before they had highways or byways that people get, can get from place to place. Um, he was very attached to his mother, but not in the sense of a real attachment. He kept her alive. It's it's like he kept her body, but mm-hmm. it's, it reminds me of uh, Psycho. Yeah, you know that's that's who he was modeled after, or yeah. they modeled him after. It. And Ed would uh, do things like he would kill people. He would go to, or he would go to the graveyard and get bodies. Okay. Then he takes those bodies apart and he'd clean them up very well. In fact what he did very often was he would take the skulls and make bowls out of them mm-hmm. and serve soup to his neighbors in these bowls.
0: Imagine being the neighbor after we found that out.
1: Yep. <laughs> yeah, you know, that was very very much. Yeah. But he but he also um, he would dress his dress and i mean dress is in cleaning the deer that he would shoot he would clean his people his victims like that too mm-hmm.
0: and didn't he make uh, he made all sorts of furniture and clothes and stuff out of them, didn't he
1: oh he made lampshades
0: yes yeah, so I, I know he had that he had like the the belt made of nipples i mean he had yes he had some strange some strange objects
1: yes he did
0: so, obviously, I know you met him, I mean, years and years after he did that oh, stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. Did he ever he seem...
1: Pretty...
0: I know he was had dementia towards the end. Yes. Did he ever kind of have any lucid times or talk about the past or anything? Or was he just... No. He did not he want didn't. anything to do with it?
1: No. Not at all.
0: Now, is that... So, say, I don't know if you've dealt with anyone else towards the end of their life like that. Do they kind of close themselves off after a while or is it just kind of it depends who it is
1: it depends on who it is and most serial killers don't last that long
0: true yeah he lasted well, <laughs> yeah he was he was in well prison and then the, the hospital for a long long time
1: yeah yeah
0: so obviously uh like i said earlier john wayne gacy is your i mean yes the big not really the big fish but he's he's the one. i mean everybody knows him it's Yeah, everybody
1: knows about him.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's, I would say, probably one of the most known serial killers in the world. I mean, he was very, you know. Prolific. Yeah, he was prolific. And, you know, same (laughs) thing like uh, Ted Bundy and them. Very convincing. Mm -hmm. Communities loved him. I know, like, Gacy, the the church loved him. Neighbors loved him. And then, Mm -hmm. you know, find out this is what he's doing. Politics
1: uh, loved him. Yeah. Everybody did.
0: Yeah, that's... What was, obviously when you first met him, what was your first thought? I mean, was he anything like what you thought he was going to be,
1: or was he uh, different? Well, you know, I go I go into these interviews having no preconceptions, because I always think maybe this isn't a serial killer. Maybe it's just somebody who's, who's in trouble for whatever reason. And so I go in with a null hypothesis. This is not a serial killer. And um, I met him at Cermac Hospital, which was part of the Cook County Jail, because he was in, the hosp- in that hospital setting, but he wasn't sick or anything. And uh, when I was introduced to him by his lawyer, uh, he was very pleasant, very nice, very accommodating, wanted to make sure that I was comfortable and, and uh, that I had everything that I needed I didn't have anything with me because you're not allowed to have anything yeah. in jail. But um, you know, it's that kind of a very nice, social, very caring on the surface person. And he, I let him talk, and he started out by telling me about his house and how he had built this house. He did drawing of his house and an almost architectural kind of drawing um, and yet it's it's so con- it's so jarring because you know that that house was destroyed mm-hmm. and it was it was completely wrecked because they they just t- t- took it apart and they just they they even changed the address yeah because so the
0: yeah, they kept even if they had like you know the address brick people kept stealing it yep and then I know they eventually, they demolished the house. And, I mean, there's a new house yeah. where it was, but I mean, unless you know where it was at, you're never going to find it.
1: No, no. Which? No, not at all.
0: Which is totally understand. I mean, I don't blame the people for getting, a, getting the address changed and stuff because I wouldn't want my stuff stolen all the time or people at my house all the time. It, it would get yep.
1: old. It, it gets very old.
0: As always, I want to give credit where credit is due. I would not be doing this for not for the help of a few friends and colleagues. All the information will also be included down in the show notes of today's episode. A huge thank you to Kay. Kay has allowed me to pester her over and over again with different questions and concerns with came producing this podcast. Kay is an extremely talented artist with experience in the music, film, and podcast industries all over the world. K. also visits, explores, and documents abandoned places just like I do over on Abandoned Whereabouts. You can check out her work at www.justtheletterk.com, as well as www.youtube.com slash user slash justtheletterk. Like the music for this podcast? Check out Alex Duquette Music. Alex is a lifelong friend who is always producing, writing, and sharing music all over the United States. Need something written for your business or podcast? Hit him up. You can find him over at www.youtube.com slash user slash alexduquettemusic or contact him via email at alexduquettemusic at gmail.com.